Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. The Los Angeles Lakers are never, ever going to lose another game ever again. If you ask Chris Canty, it is Canty and Carlin in for Grinny on ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Late night, but you don't mind. No, I don't mind at all. I mean, listen, I co-emceed the United Way of New York City's Gridiron Gala, the 30th Gridiron Gala, celebrating the Jets and the Giants in the community, doing some great things in the partnership with the United Way. And then I got to come home and watch the Lake Show Take care of business and steal home court advantage in game one against the Warriors. Love it. It's not getting any better for me, big fella. Well, that's where we're going to roll. Here we go! Go, go! Only one place to start. Here is D'Angelo Russell to the rim. Puts it up and in. Lakers by two. The Lakers get what they came for. Game one and seize home court against a Warriors team that has not been good on the road this year. Well... All right, let's not get nuts with the end of that cut from the highlight there from 710 ESPN LA and John Ireland. John, I love you. They did just win two road games in the previous series, so I think we could throw out the regular season. However, having said that, it was a hell of a job by the Lakers to open up game one. It was, a, a, it was frankly, an advantage that they needed to take considering they had the extra day's rest over the other team and considering they have such an incredible matchup advantage with Anthony Davis, who had 30, 23, uh, I think he, did he have four or five blocks, five, too? Yeah, yeah. Assists. He, he had four blocks and I think five assists. Five assists and yeah. four blocks. Yeah. I mean, Chris, I don't know how they stop Anthony Davis. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think the Warriors are in big trouble yet, but I, what is the answer? Because Kevon Looney is way too slow to have a sniff against him so then you're talking about playing small. I think it's going to be a major issue. And listen, it's pretty simple for the Lakers. And this is why it's been so maddening for me at times this season to watch them. When you go through Anthony Davis, when Anthony Davis is your primary guy, you win. When he puts up big numbers, you win. It's just that simple. Yeah, I mean, the Warriors have no answers for AD. That, that, that's what it is. And when you have a situation where you're at the free throw line 29 times in a game, and you don't turn the basketball over, you're probably going to have a really good chance at winning that game. And that was, to me, the most impressive part about what the Los Angeles Lakers did. First of all, being able to throw multiple defenders at Steph. In the first half, it was Dennis Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell. The second half, it was Jared Vanderbilt. Just being able to attack him with a lot of different guys, a lot of different body types, uh, I think threw Steph off in terms of the timing. And I think Darvin Ham did a good job of picking and choosing his spots when he wanted to run double teams at him, especially at the end of that game. So I think just throwing Steph off that little bit really, really helped. And then I think their ability to be able to get their coverages right in transition basketball, being able to try to get a hand in shooters' faces, did a really they did a really good job of that. Now, Golden State came in lights out. They were shooting the lights out of the basketball. For anybody that wants to say, well, they went seven games with the Sacramento Kings and they might have been a sluggish. No, no, no. You, you can't start out any hotter than Golden State did. Yeah, but they, they showed they themselves had, later, too. Well, listen, they had 13 three-point makes in the first half. Yep. And the Lakers didn't get caught up in trying to match Golden State three-pointer for three-pointer. As a matter of fact, the Golden State Warriors made 15 more threes than the L.A. Lakers. 15 more threes. That's yeah. 45 points in three-point scoring disparity. And yet the Lakers were able to make enough plays, and Darvin Ham talked about it in his post-game press conferences. He said we were focused on making sure we got good looks every trip down the court. Not necessarily three-point looks, but just a good shot. And if you get a lot of good shots, 
whether they're twos or threes, you're going to end up having a chance to win at the end of the game, and that's exactly what happened. Well, he's also got a message for those of you that complain about load management. This is what load management is about. If it's going to be load management, then we have to manage their loads throughout the regular season in order for us to push them a little further during this time of year. Postseason, you know, everything is at its peak. You have to pare down your, your rotation, push your big dogs. Your big dogs got to be there early and often. And so uh, we just made a conscious decision, you know, communicated on the sideline, and we were able to push him on through and, and allow him to play the full half. Look, from that standpoint, when you can do that, they're going to be in a much better situation. I, There's not anything I can argue there. And to your point about all the three-pointers as well, here's where it made the big difference. When you have AD in the lane, the Golden State Warriors last night were like 14 for 31 or something ridiculously bad in the lane. I mean, they in the paint. I mean, they have oh, to the, be the, better the, than the, that. The point and the problem is when AD's there, you can't be better than well, that. Well, yeah, that's that's the other part of this, right? The point differential when it comes to scoring in the paint last night was 54 to 28 in the Lakers' favor. You, you got no shot. Like, there's a reason why Golden State had to settle for 53 three-pointers. Because they weren't getting those bunnies in the lane mm-hmm. like they were off of the back cuts in the Sacramento Kings series. Listen, Sacramento plays no defense. In the regular season, they were one of the worst defensive teams in all of basketball. So this is a huge shock in terms of the style that the Warriors had with their opponent in the first round versus the second round. So I think there's a little bit of an adjustment, a learning curve, so to speak, when it comes to that. But I don't know why people are so surprised that the Lakers stole game one in this series. I'm not surprised. I, I, I just don't understand. First of all, in the regular season, these two teams matched up four times. Now, granted, neither team was healthy in any of the matchups, but the Lakers won three of those four matchups. Mm-hmm. The Lakers have been the best team since the All-Star break. They got the best record in the NBA since the All-Star break. They had to play playoff basketball a month before the playoffs started. So in terms of the urgency, the intensity, it's a different level. And then you couple that with the physicality that you got from LeBron and AD, who were just dominant on the defensive end and on the glass. Yeah, I could see the Golden State Warriors struggling. Here's here's why I think the Golden State Warriors are in trouble in this series. You're real trouble. I think they're in trouble. The, the, the war, it's one and game. I, and, and one game, one game, mm-hmm. but I will say this. They're at that point now where it's break glass in case of emergency. This is a problem. Here's why, here's why I say that. Here's why I say you had 21 three-point makes. You had 30 assists, and you only had eight turnovers last night. Eight. And you lost. Mm-hmm. And you lost. You, you were 13 for 30 from three-point land in the first half, and you lost. It, it took a Herculean effort to come down. You had a double-digit deficit in the fourth quarter. And you were able to make it a game and come back and tie it, but eventually you, you ended up losing. Now, that's thanks to a lot of great defensive plays. LeBron James had a block on Steph Curry at the five-minute mark in the fourth quarter. Anthony Davis at the one-minute mark in the fourth quarter had a huge block on Steph with a little six-foot floater in the lane, which really changed the complexion of the game down the stretch. Like, those defensive plays and them being able to get stops has been the calling card for this Lakers team. That, that's and, fine. And, 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 no, no, but let me finish. I have a hard time envisioning the problems that showed up for a Golden State being fixed in any capacity. You're talking about a team that loves to play with pace, but they couldn't play with pace last night because they kept fouling AD. Yeah, they kept well, fouling. That's where it has to so, change. So if you if you have no answer for AD, then how are you going to be able to dictate the complexion of the game and play with pace? You can't. What are you going to do? Are you going to go small? You're going to take Kevon Looney or Draymond Green off the floor? 
Good luck with that. No, you're not taking Draymond off the but, floor. But that's you might my be point. taking Looney off but, the But that's my point, though. If you do that and the Lakers continue to have AD on there, you're going to foul still because you have smaller guys. So there aren't really a whole lot of good answers for the Warriors. The Warriors' only hope is that throughout wow. the course of this series, Darvin Ham can't extend AD in the second half like he did yesterday for whatever reason. AD played all 24 minutes in the second half. Outstanding. And that's what he talked about with the whole load management thing. You got to let your big dogs play in the postseason. If for whatever reason, AD can't push it to the limit like he did in game one in the second half, then I think the Warriors have a puncher's chance. But with AB being as, AD being as dominant as he was on both ends of the court, you got no shot. Here's the problem. You just, for two weeks, told me about the winning history of the Golden State Warriors and about all their uh, playoff experience and all this stuff, and now they're dead. Now they're dead. That's what you're telling me. This is the matchup. I I get it. That's part of it. But at some point, we at least have to acknowledge that this is not just a horrible matchup between two or between one really good team and one subpar team. I mean, at some point, can we acknowledge that we're dealing with Steph Curry on the other side? Can we can we acknowledge that we're that the, all of the other players on the other side have won a championship last year and and the matchup while it may not be good I can't write them off in this series I can't say they're in big trouble after game one now if they don't adjust well in game two then they're then they're in big trouble but tell me what the adjustment is that's that, that, nobody I'm has not Steve the, Kerr nobody has the explanation as to what the adjustment I, I, is I'm not Steve Kerr I don't know what the adjustment is I okay. do know one thing. They have to get up and down the floor more than they have, and you're right about fouling AD. I get that. How do you do that? I get that. But the other problem is maybe you need to go at it a little bit more. Yes, defensively, he is excellent at blocking shots. Maybe I need to be a little bit more aggressive. Maybe I need to try to get him in a little bit more trouble. How about that? Maybe a way to get him off the floor. I'm not coaching the Warriors. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know exactly what they need to Mm -hmm. do to get Mm -hmm. AD to be less of a factor in these games. But... I'm not writing them off because it is a bad matchup. Yes, it's a bad matchup. But down the floor, every single time, it's not going to be AD going for 60. I mean, he, w- he went for 30 and 23 last night. It was a brilliant performance. It's a problem that they have to figure out, and they got to figure out quickly. But after one game, I'm not putting them in big trouble. But, but it was a game where the Lakers controlled the entirety of it in terms of what the complexion was. And that's the and thing. they still let them back in. And, and, well, well, yeah, because the Golden State Warriors are good. They're going to make shots. They they have they have all time greats. They have arguably the I don't even know if it's arguable the best shooting backcourt in the history of the NBA. This is my point. They're go, they're going to make shots. But my overall point is this: it's not as if what we saw from the Lakers was an outlier or an aberration. They've been doing this since the All Star break. I mean, since the All-Star break, you're talking about a team that averages 28 free throw attempts per game. When you're getting to the line that much, when you're having an opportunity to have that kind of disparity in terms of the free throws that you shoot, you're going to be in a lot of games. And when you have LeBron James on the other side of it in his playmaking, and I thought LeBron was phenomenal, not necessarily on the offensive end as much as he was on the defensive end, even though he made some plays. When you have LeBron James supplementing what Anthony Davis is bringing to the party, you're going to struggle. And yep. that's exactly what it was. And here's the thing that I want to point out. It's not as if the Lakers had a great shooting night. 
They were 6 of 25 from three-point land. Yeah, they shot LeBron's 20, been terrible. They shot 24% from the three-point line. Are, are we going to continue to see them shoot that poorly from distance the rest of the series? Probably not. Probably I, I, not. They should just cancel the rest of it then, I guess. <laughs> no, I want listen, listen, I want I want to see it. But what, but what but what did it come down to at the end of the game? It came down to stops. Oh, it also came down to Jordan Poole making a just taking a terrible shot. Just a te- let's yeah, be yeah, fair. Yeah, it was a terrible shot, but why did he have to take a terrible shot? Because they weren't letting Steph Curry get the ball. Again, Great defense. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine light for free and help you save time and money down the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. It is Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio, on the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay and benefits, go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Here's one other thing, too, that we'll get into in a bit. How drastically the odds change because one one would suggest that Vegas agrees with what you've been saying. We'll get into that in a bit as well. Up next, the Knicks and the Heat. That series may be decided by one ankle. We'll talk to an expert on the topic in moments. Greeny on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. TJ and Max. When AD comes out and he's aggressive, he's shooting his shot, he's attacking the rim, you're like, just stay that way. Just be that player consistently because if he is that, they are a team that has a chance. I said it to win a world title. More from Keyshawn, Jabel, and Max. 
Weekday mornings at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN2. Or even right now, Jay Will joining us. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. The best teams start with great talent, but finding the right people can be a challenge. It's like sports scouts researching top athletes across the country to find potential picks for pro teams. When it comes to hiring, ZipRecruiter can help you find the right candidates for your team fast. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 top job sites, and ZipRecruiter is so effective. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. To try ZipRecruiter for free, Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny, ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Do you know what today is? It's Jay's anniversary. Wow. Carlin, Carlin, not for you and me. (laughs) (laughs) What up, Jay? Uh, you know, CC, it was one of those. It was one of those days where you wake up and the calendar reminder pops up. You're like, "Ooh, oh, let's read and react. Let's be like LeBron and AD playing free safeties in the middle of the paint. Let's read and react at the, the offense." And uh, that, that's what I have to do today. So don't worry, I'm a, I'll get it all together just in enough time. So how long did it take you to figure out what you were going to get your wife for your anniversary? Thank goodness I have a lot of stuff uh, pre-stock, pre-ordered. <laughs> hey man, something you gotta you gotta invest in the investment. That's you how know, I look at it. That Amazon wish list not always the worst thing in the world. Not at all. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. But Jay- when that bill comes, you look at it differently, though. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> like, damn. Jay Will, Jay Williams, of course, Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max joining us. All right, so Canty thinks that the Warriors are in big trouble. Do you agree? Disagree? I mean, look, this series can go either way. Like I, you know, I, the matchups, I still think, favor Golden State. But the free throw discrepancy is a real thing, guys. I mean, 29 free throws as opposed to six for Golden State. The points in the paint, 54 to 28. Those are huge discrepancies. Now, I, I, there are questions around Anthony Davis, and it's what you, you know, what people who listen to your show you know, heard on our lead-in, right? Like about if he can be consistently aggressive, I think this team has a chance to be a championship team. Now, I will give Jared Vanderbilt and Dennis Schroeder a lot of credit. They stayed on a top of a lot of screens. They chase, they funneled Steph and Clay into help in which guys like, you know, AD and LeBron were playing off Draymond and Kevon Looney. Um, but it, the Warriors are still a team that can get hot. And there is a part of me Chris Canty that really questions the discipline and the sustainability of the discipline on the defensive side of the ball for the Lakers to maintain that because there is a cumulative effect that happens when you're playing every other day now. And, and that's how Golden State also wears you down because it's, it's cumulative over a period of time, and that's what they're good at. Yeah, and Jay, I agree with you, which is why I thought it was critical that Darvin Ham threw multiple bodies at Steph Curry because nobody runs as much in a basketball game in the NBA as Steph Curry does. In the first half, it was Dennis Schroeder and D'Angelo Russell. And remember, Schroeder had that steal right before the end of the first half and ends up being a layup. I mean, you saw that, and then Jared Vanderbilt throwing him at him in the second half, and you saw how flustered Steph was because of the length of Jared Vanderbilt. But that's the brilliance in the moves that Rob Palenka made at the trade deadline and bringing over those guys, all of whom have been key contributors either on the offensive end or the defensive end and in some situations both. But my biggest question, Jay, is when you point out the free throw disparity, the Lakers have been this team 
since the trade deadline. You're talking about a team that averages 28 free throw attempts per game mm-hmm. since the trade deadline. I, I just, when you couple that with the fact that the Warriors love to play with pace, and as Draymond said post game, they can't play with pace because of all of the fouls that they had, because of the, the presence of Anthony Davis. What's the adjustment that Golden State makes in this series in order to be able to dictate the complexion of the games? Because right now, from a personnel standpoint, that feels like that's always going to be in the Lakers' favor. What's that old saying? CC speed kills, right? So you saw adjustments being made throughout the course of the game, especially in the fourth quarter when they went on that run, right? So they threw in a mixture of zone, a little bit of an amoeba defense that threw the Lakers off, got them to settle and become content with floating on the perimeter, which is a habit sometimes of Anthony Davis, right? It takes away the power from dominating you points in the paint. They increased the tempo of the game. They pushed the ball a ton and found some easy chippies in transition, which they weren't really getting the first three quarters. And also, I think the last adjustment was seeing more of a high pick and roll with Steph. Now, they were denying him on inbound passes. Jared Vanderbilt, Dennis Schroeder, these guys are up the full length of the court, right? So the more he can try to take the ball off his hands, but in the fourth, when he got the ball in his hands and they got involved in the high ball screens, you know, in the middle of the floor at the top of the key, that's where he's really at his deadliest. Cause, and, and they're going to throw ripples in there trying to switch, and you're going to see times where AD is going to be guarding Steph. But Steph is one of these momentum-like players. But if you can slow him down, your odds increase drastically of winning a world championship or getting to the Western Conference Finals. Jay Williams, of course, of KJM, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time weekdays on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, ESPN2, and, of course, ESPNU. Uh, Jay Will, when I look at the end of the game and I see Jordan Poole with the basketball about to take the shot, I, I think the following phrase pretty much sums it up. What the hell? Your response. Well, <laughs> Carlin, I'm going to say this to you. And, you know, I, I see the game very differently than a lot of people because that's – that's an easy place to go to. But I'll actually take the what the hell, and I could tell you the, the conversation that I had that I would have had in the locker room if I were Steph Curry. That what the hell would have been going to Draymond Green. Because if you actually watch the last play, watch it. When he gets double teamed, he kicks the ball to Draymond. Now, a lot of times, quick story, when we were playing in college, Dante Jones one time came over to huddle and was like, guys, I'm open. And Mike Dunleavy would say, well, you're open for a reason. Right? <laughs> and, and, and sometimes um, a, a good shot is not a great shot. Now, you can sit there and tell me all you want about Jordan pulling that shot, but if you actually watch when the ball gets kicked to Draymond, Jared Vanderbilt starts running over towards Jordan Poole. If he were to give a ball fake towards Jordan Poole and then bring that ball right back to Steph, who was running in his direction for a handoff, by the way, that's the conversation I'm having when the game's over with Dre saying, Dre, I am him. You saw what happened in game seven. That ball needs to be in my hands, and I deserve that. I deserve that. So I think it was a moment that a lot of people won't talk about, but it's a moment for those two as you go into the next game. Trust and believe Jordan Poole is trigger happy. I can't knock Jordan for taking that shot, even though I think he could take a better shot, but I'd much rather the ball have been in the hands of Steph Curry, and that's a little bit more on Draymond Green. Jay, speaking of guys that are open for a reason, I'm going to switch gears and go over to the Knicks game because R.J. Barrett was open early and often in game two against the Miami Heat. 
The only difference is he was actually making the shots. He was 5 of 9 from distance, and he was 8 from 17 from the floor. Overall, 24 points. He made some big shots early. Julius Randle, he, both of those guys kept them in that game for the most part until Jalen Brunson came alive in the fourth quarter. What did you make of the Knicks' performance, and how confident are you in this Knicks team going down to South Beach this weekend? I, look, I, I think the Knicks are a better team. I think that Miami has the best player in the, in the series. And I, I, I always get baffled about this, CC, and, and, and maybe it's just because when, whenever I was in college or the pros and I would see a team play zone, I would just literally salivate. I'm like, it's zone. Everybody's like, oh, well, they mucked it up, and it's brilliant defense. I'm like, they just played a zone. It was a zone. They just catch the ball in the middle of the zone, flash from the weak side, catch, turn, face. That's what they did in the fourth quarter late in the game. Like, screen the top of the zone and get the matchup that you want. Like, it's not rocket science. And I think Jalen Brunson and company started to do that. But, like, watching the I'm like, is Gabe Vincent the best player on the court? What am I seeing? What's happening? And it's just a testament, I feel, even though the Knicks won, to the way Eric Spostra coaches and how he gets everybody to buy in. Um, the fact that they were even in that game from the beginning just speaks to the, to the testament of who the Miami Heat organization is. And I think that's beyond impressive. Jay Will with us of Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. What chance do you give the Knicks to get one this weekend if Butler is playing? Uh, they have a chance. I mean, I, I, these series are going to be won in the margins, guys, in the details. And the, do Josh Hart and ability, do they have the right game plan, the right scheme at times to stop Jimmy Butler? Yeah, I think they have a legitimate chance, too. Now, are they going to? I, I'm not sure, guys. Uh, if I was looking into my crystal ball, I would be living in Vegas or I'd be living up to France right now. <laughs> I, I think it's the adjustments and the micro-adjustments that are made throughout the course of the series. But there is something that when I watch Miami, there's a feeling that I get with Jimmy Butler that no other player on the Knicks team gives me that same feeling. Jalen Brunson would probably be the closest, but it just feels like Jimmy puts his DNA and wills his team to levels that I've never seen a player do before. There's a reason why they call him Kimmy Butler. And whenever I see their side-by-side photo, I'm like, is he related to Michael Jordan? Because if there's one dude in the league that has the mentality of MJ, (laughs) I'm not saying the skill translates the way MJ does, but the way he impacts the game with his will, that sure as hell does in every facet of the game. Talking with Jay Williams, co-host of KJM on Greeny. And Jay Will, we got Celtics Sixers tonight, game two. And and I wanted to ask you this. we'll, We'll see what happens with the status of Joel Embiid. But what is your concern level for the Boston Celtics in game two and in this series? And could you put into context the long-term ramifications for the Boston Celtics with the outcome of this series? So a couple of things here. Number one, Julius Randle, I wouldn't play him, right? You already got the split regardless of whether, you know, you win or lose. You have that or you're going back home up 2-0. Um, number two, I think Boston is going to beat the brakes off the Philadelphia 76ers tonight. Mm. Number three, I think there is an identity crisis occurring in real time with this team. Now, you can give it the excuse that, you know, coaching change and everything that happened with Emi Doka, but it's not like Joe Mazzulla wasn't part of that bench and that DNA. I, to me, last year, I saw Jason Tatum not only try to be the best offensive player, but all locked down Kevin Durant. Like, there was competition for him being the best defensive player on the court. Same with Jalen Brown. 
Uh, the same with Marcus Smart, who was Defensive Player of the Year. This team does not have that same identity, and that's a massive issue for me. I do not in any reason understand why a team entering the game in, in a place you just lost to the Atlanta Hawks at home before, in which you tricked off that game. The Sixers don't bring in the MVP of the league. You know that has to go off in order for them to win, and you don't play with a sense of urgency. You don't play with a dire passion. Like the questions around the heart and the the identity of who this team is. And guys, if it does not pan out, and if Jalen Brown does not become All NBA, that means they cannot offer him the supermax contract. That will make him a, a free agent. And I think with what I've read, what I feel around that situation is that you can say it's leverage or not. I do not believe that Jalen Brown will be a Boston Celtic next year if those things occur. And then you're looking at, you know, what moves can you make to fill that gap and where does Jalen Brown go? And this might mean a a restart for the Boston Celtics. I mean, they still don't have their core, Jason Tato and Marcus Smart, but now you're trying to find additional pieces to make up for Jalen Brown essentially being Bane or the dark knight of your team. You get him every morning, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern, ESPN Radio, ESPN2, ESPNU. He is Jay Will of Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max. Awesome stuff as Enjoy usual. Enjoy that anniversary, Jay Will. Listen, if you need uh, Canty to swing by later and serenade you, he's happy to do it. I just need Canty to help me with the budget. Canty, can you loan? Can, can I get a loan? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks, thanks, Jay. You're winning enough bets for me that I should be able to cover yeah, it. Yeah, actually, yeah. I could send him a couple of anniversary gifts. Yeah, I exactly. Sure yeah. I don't know if it's a gift, though, that I have to go out to dinner with me. I don't me. know if I can trust your basketball acumen, man. I mean, the way oh, I know been, you can't. The, the way you've been losing these bets to me. Listen. Let's, I mean, I, I had some bad luck a little bit on the way. The too. Memphis Grizzlies is bad luck? That's an embarrassment. You embarrassed yourself. The, the bad luck was for me to listen to myself. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. And Big Perk, as well as myself, tried to tell you on first take before you this did. thing even kicked off. You did. And you would have none of it. You, you did. You would have none of it. I, listen. You see the trouble you get yourself into? I didn't get myself in any trouble. Dylan Brooks is the reason why we are sitting here <laughs> right now. You're going Dylan Brooks? I, 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 are you working for the Memphis Grizzlies too? I, I, <laughs> Dylan Brooks is the reason we are sitting here, and that will be reflected in the engraving on your bottle of Johnny Walker. Oh, I can't wait for that. That's going to be so tasty. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Greeny, the podcast. Joel Embiid has won the NBA Most Valuable Player Award for this season. It means everything. To be able to even qualify and be in this type of conversations, you got to be able to win. And I've always said it, you can't win by yourself. And we have a little bit of breaking news regarding Joel Embiid. Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Canty and Carlin, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. MVP Joel Embiid will play tonight. Daniel LaRusso's going to fight? Apparently so. <laughs> Daniel LaRusso's going to fight. It's confirmed to ESPN just moments ago. Uh, Joel is going to talk next hour, so we will hear from him next hour. In just moments, we will get to the Knicks and their situation headed down to Miami and whether or not they can win a game with Jimmy Butler on the court. want to get to Adam Schefter's report this morning. And mm. the least surprising move of the Jets offseason. Former Packers wide receiver Randall Cobb is going to agree to a one-year deal with the Jets, allowing him to play with Aaron Rodgers in New York per sources. You knew it was coming, right? Of course you did. You knew it was coming. When the Jets pushed that that bonus money that he's due in, uh, I guess, before week one, when they pushed that into the 2024 cap, you knew that there were going to be some other moves made with key free agents, and Randall Cobb is one of his guys. Mm-hmm. Now, Randall Cobb, as far as the player goes, I don't know how much production the Jets are going to have to rely on him for. I mean, they're in a situation now where Corey Davis is their fourth wide receiver, but I do think Randall Cobb is a value add for that room in terms of letting all of the new guys know exactly what Aaron Rodgers is looking for on every different route concept that's in the playbook. So I think that's, that's going to be a big part of – the transition from Green Bay to New York, implementing Nathaniel Hackett's offense, understanding exactly how Aaron Rodgers sees the defense and how he wants his receivers to adjust their routes based off of those different coverages. Well, it's interesting that you put it that way, that that Randall Cobb is here to make sure everybody knows what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Hey, Aaron was on the Pat McAfee show yesterday before he went to the Nick game last night again. Well, he's out and about in New York. Yeah, making sure every he, camera in, picks he, him up. He's embracing it now. Yeah, making sure every camera gets him. Here is uh, A-Rod yesterday on how much he's going to be around the Jets this offseason. I think I'll still be able to throw for a long time. That's not a problem. You know, I want to make sure I was ready to go once this started. Obviously, I've spent a lot of time in, uh, out west over the last few years in the offseason, which has honestly been incredible for me. But I knew with a new team that I'm going to have to be here a little bit more just to get to know the guys, let them feel the cadence, and uh, start to step into the leadership role that is going to be open for my you know seamless transition there as a quarterback. So definitely wanted to be here a little bit more. But I'm still you know going to take some time and, and uh, get back out west at some point. But I'll you know definitely be here probably you know more 
more than half of the remaining days, but I really wanted to be here the first week to, to get to know the guys and to uh, go through the workouts and, and be around. And it's been good to be out here with all the guys. And I think, you know, guys feel the energy that I've been bringing and that I kind of bring on a daily basis. And there's a lot of excitement around here. I'll be around a little bit more. I'll be around a little bit more than half the time. Come on. Which, which is better than not being around at all, which is what the case would have Why been. Why is had this they unreasonable for me to ask for? That a guy shows up and is around his new team the entire, the, all of the offseason that you're supposed to be around your new team. Why is that too much to ask for at $58 million that he's going to end up getting out of me? Well, I mean, the, the guy has been in the league 18 years. Not I, I on this team. Yeah, well, my whole point is that he values his downtime, his offseason a little bit differently than young guys do. And, and Aaron Rodgers has a few more moving parts. As we've seen, he's got other interests. And so I, I don't have a problem with the guy giving you more of a commitment than what you saw in Green Bay the last couple of years. He's around. He's around more in the last week than I thought he would be. I thought he was showing up for the introductory press conference, a couple of photo ops, get on the field and throw the ball around, and then he was going to get out of town. The guy's been here. So, I mean, for, him to, for, him, to, for him to say that he's going to commit to being in the offseason program about half the time, think about this. You've got 12 OTA practices, and you've got, you know, the minicamp practices, you know, four to five, just depending on how coaches structure the weekend. You're talking about 16 to 17 total practices. If he's going to be around for eight or nine of them, great. How is that not a win for the New York Jets? Because he's – let me ask you this. Are they important? I are think, they important? I, I think they are important, and, and obviously the Jets think they're important, which is why they paid the premium to get them on the team now as opposed to later. Yeah, they they, I, gave, I they, they they do they did a first round pick swap. They gave up a future first round pick that's conditional. You're talking about a second round pick in this year's draft. Like they gave up a lot in order to get yeah. Aaron Rodgers on the team now, so he could be a part of the offseason program in some capacity. And no, the no, fact no. that he's willing and, and the fact that he's willing to commit to being around half the time, I'll take that. I, I think you guys are missing what he's saying. I don't think he's saying he's missing the jet stuff. I just think he means he's not going to be living in New York. So. I just think he's not he's not going to be physically in New York for the next whatever it is four months. No, that's fine. But when, as long, whenever if he is around, Bubba, for all of the OTAs and all of that stuff, that's what I care about. And I th- I think he will be. I think uh, that's what he said. I think he's just saying I will not physically be in New York because I still have a house in Malibu and I'll be there, you know, half the time. But whenever the time comes, you know, you need me for OTAs, I'll be there. You need me for mini camps, I'll be there. He's going to come back for all that stuff. I, that's what I took it to mean when I heard the cut yesterday. Yeah, when I well, when I heard the I know, cut, well, yeah. I took it to mean I'll be around for a little more than half of what. But yeah, well, the we, players we know, are yeah, not that's, that's, what, that's what I took it as, too. I don't think it's about – I think it goes without saying that he's not going to set up shop in New York. This is not going to be his home. But considering everything that they gave up, including, by the way, the ability to get him a left tackle, which they did with the pick swap, everything that they gave up, could you show up? Just be there for the off-season things that you're supposed to be there for because when you talk about making – and he used the words seamless transition – well, how does that happen? Familiarity. Familiarity yeah. is the situation. Mean, how yeah, that far he's doing, doing that, is yeah, he not? Yeah, yeah. That, 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 and that's I what think, I say. So far, let's he's call doing- what it is. Okay, he has made sure to be in front of the cameras for a week. Let's call it what I, it that's, is. That's, you that's hate it. him more than anything. That's, that's, the, that's no, what we're getting no, at, no, Bob. No, no, no. That's that's what this is about. There's literally like no one on this earth one minute than you hate more than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I don't yeah, think the Jets had any people. I don't think the Jets had any illusions. 
when they you did this. You despise him. I don't think the Jets had any illusions when they did this that Aaron Rodgers was going to be around for every single thing, for every single OTA, for every single weightlifting session. They got 40 weightlifting sessions in the spring. Aaron Rodgers was never going to be at all of them. It wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to make all of his OTAs. That's okay. Most veteran players don't unless they have some kind of incentive in their contract. So I don't have a problem with it. the fact that he's around and is, can establish some kind of rapport with his guys before training camp starts is great. Think about this. you got a six- or seven-week break between the end of minicamp and the start of training camp. So, I mean, you still have to kind of start over when you report to training camp. It's just that they won't be starting from zero because Aaron Rodgers would have been around for a little bit this offseason. I guarantee that we'll know when he's around because there'll be a camera. for listening to Greeny the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.